Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast, where we bring you conversations with authors, thought leaders, and people just like you who are looking to connect where your passion meets the world's deep need. Today on the podcast, I got to talk to Reverend Dr. Yosemar Alvarez. Dr. Alvarez is an Asbury Seminary alum, the Global Executive Director of Disciple 21, a church planning and remissioning network that the seminary has partnered with. He is also a pastor, church planner, and he's the district superintendent for the United Methodist Church in Lexington. So you guys, I could not be more excited to share today's episode with you. We talked about Yosemar's Jesus story, his call to church planning, how some ways that we can continue to explore and find our own calling, his discipleship strategy that he practiced on me during the podcast. And it's super easy and simple and really helpful and insightful. And it's something that y'all listening can practice at home, either by yourself or in relationship with something else, because as well, someone else, because as we'll learn in today's episode, um, relationships are a key part of our growth as human beings. So let's listen to my conversation with Dr. Alvarez. Dr. Alvarez, thanks so much for being on the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast today. I am really looking forward to our conversation. And we connected a couple years ago for your voices story, and we'll link to that in the show notes as well. But I'm just looking forward to this opportunity to catch up and find out a little bit more about what God is doing in your life and through your ministry as a pastor and church planter. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. So I want to get... Tell, I want you to tell a little bit about your story. In Cuba, you were a veterinary doctor and a surgeon, um, but you still were dissatisfied. How did you come to know Christ and then experience your call to be a church planner? Um, I, well, I believe um, that God, I mean, I'm, as, a, as a Methodist pastor, one of the reasons I am Methodist is because of the doctrine of grace. And the way, you know, the Methodist Church explain, explain grace uh, is very powerful. And me being a thinker and a processor, <laughs> so what make, make sense to me the way um, Wesley exposed grace. So I really believe in prevenient grace and justifying grace. So because of that, I believe that even though I was a vet doctor, veterinarian doctor and a surgeon, and I was happy and doing what I supposed to do. After a while, I, I just have this uh, emptiness and lack of fulfillment, even though I was doing everything I planned to do. But mm-hmm. that because of prevenient grace, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit was already, you know, hovering, you know, over uh, all over me uh, the same way he, he did and he does in, in Genesis 1. He said that even everything was dark and formless and void, the Holy Spirit was moving. That's the best definition of prevenient grace, that no matter where you are, um, the Holy Spirit is moving with you, around you, uh, mm-hmm. you, bringing you closer to Jesus. So I think it, I was under, under that uh, umbrella and I didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, even though I was doing what I was supposed to do, because I'm, I, I'm a visionary, I plan things, that, and then I pursue them and I have a, a resilient spirit. Doesn't matter what I'm doing. So. You know, I was I was what I supposed to be by uh-huh. you know as a doctor, and what I was yeah. doing. But 
you know, it's like you arrive to your destination and guess what? It's not fun. <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, it's perfect in your mind, but then you are there and you don't, you don't feel and you are not uh, satisfied the way you should. Yeah. So uh, I think that the Holy Spirit used that in satisfaction and begin a work even deeper um, during those years. I'm talking about 2000, 2001. And I just realized that there is something more. Mm -hmm. And when my home church in Cuba, they had a revival that I decided to go because everybody was asking me to go. And I said, okay, fine. I go, I have a neighbor. Um, and this neighbor was relentless. She was like every day inviting me to church every Sunday since I was little. Oh, wow. Boy. <laughs> and God has a plan for you. And God has a plan for you. You know, and she, she grew old, old and, I was, and, I, and, and me too. <laughs> and I was not going to church, you know, but one, for some reason that Sunday I decided to go. I mean, I was 27. Yeah. And boom, you know, explosion. So everything happens there. And I have yeah. this, this encounter with grace again, this time not prevenient grace, but the, the justifying grace, you know, yeah. just experience God and Christ to a whole new level. And I, I decided, you know, this is it. This is this is mm -hmm. this is this is what I want to do, you know, for the rest of my life. Wow. How did you experience your call to be a church planner? Because coming to know Jesus as Savior is one thing, but then knowing what you what he wants you to do with your life is something else altogether. So how did you know? I learned that by accident. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, um, I learned that by accident. I believe, you know, I believe that people need to stop asking questions about what God wants them to do and begin to ask the question of who you are. Because, oh, interesting. You know, because at the end of the day, God will never ask you to do anything disconnected from who you are. So if you know who you are, you pretty much will have a sense of what your destination would be. Uh, oh, in wow. fact, you know, I believe you cannot move if you don't know who you are. Because if you begin to move, you begin, you begin a journey without knowing who you are, you might end up in the wrong place because that place has nothing to do with, with who you are. Uh, and that happens to me as a doctor. You know, I wanted to be that, mm -hmm. that, and then I arrive to my destination and they find out, well, this is not what I want to do. Um, okay. So I learned, you know, really fast that the first step is knowing who you are. So being a church planter was by accident. I never prayed to be a pastor. I never asked that prayer. I never you know, I received a, a, a word when I came to Christ. God is calling you to be a pastor. And I was laughing about it because that's <laughs> not what we do. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it was in, I received Christ 2001, um, August 4th, 2001. In August 7th or 9th, I received this word. So I just, I was just brand new and I received that and I just laugh about it, pff, you know, whatever. <laughs> And, and then seven months later, I was planting a church. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, you know, but for me it was by accident because I never prayed. I want to be a pastor. I receive your call. Nothing like that. You know, it was more like my desire to help people. You know, as a vet doctor, I wanted to help animals. I want to help the owner of the animals. I want to invest in people. That's who, that's who I am. I invest in mm -hmm. people. I love people. I'm a people person. <laughs> you know, that's who I am. Mm -hmm. Doing that through a channel of medicine and now through the channel of the, you know, the office of a pastor. And, and that, that, that never changed. But I was doing that with passion in both places. And then I was just helping people when they asked me, hey, can you, 
can you teach us some Bible? Uh, give us a Bible study or something. And I just teach them what I knew. Again, seven months uh, as a believer only, I, I just received one course, uh, seven steps, mm -hmm. you know, seven steps of faith, something like that. <laughs> and I gave them what I received. So, and then they say, why you don't preach us a sermon? You know, this is powerful. You know, we really like this. Why you don't preach, us, preach a sermon? And I preach the same thing. I, <laughs> the same thing I taught them, I preach them. You know, I preached that to them because that, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. I just knew enough. And what I knew, that Christ is powerful. He changed my life. And that's all I, you know, sometimes people, they want to know, they want to be, uh, you know, more ready than the Apostle Paul <laughs> before they go to ministry. Yeah. You know, but that's not, yeah. that's not, I mean, God doesn't need that. If you know what he did in your life, that your story, there is no, I mean, the most powerful thing that you have is your story. It's not your seminary degree. It's your story. Because you are a testimony, right. you are a walking testimony that Christ can change a life. And, and I believe that we not use our stories. And that's why I love this program about, you know, the South Side Stories, because this we are not doing this enough. <laughs> you know, and, and after a while, you want to change the story or not telling anymore because you just get tired of, of telling the story. But the reality is that that's the most powerful weapon that you have in your life because you are yeah. a new witness testimony that God can change your life. And the first church I planted, that's that's all I was, I was doing, every single sermon. I didn't know much. Uh, I didn't know what the prophet and the minor prophet and the, the lesser prophet. And the, I didn't know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. I'm serious. I mean, I just yeah. knew the gospel. That's it. Yeah, but <laughs> you, know? you had your story. And I remember when we chatted <laughs> for your Voices interview, you said something that um, still stands out to me that, the most effective weapon of God is a Christian still in the first love stage of their relationship with Jesus Christ. And exactly. that's what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we, we're killing people. We're killing people with so many, so, too much knowledge. When you are in the first love, that's the most powerful weapon you have. You are on fire. Yeah. Let people go. You know, let people go. Just send them, you know. Yeah. And, and that's so, what I did. So it was by accident, you know, and then before I knew a church was there and people asking me to baptize them and I begin to do that. <laughs> yeah. So was this in Cuba or your first church plant or was this in the U.S.? No, here in the U.S. I left Cuba. Okay. I left Cuba in 2001, um, December 2001, came to United States with the idea of, of the big American dream. You know, I think I shared that in the testimony, you know, having my own house two kids, one dog, a new car, go to church. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had it all planned out. That's, that's who I am. You know, this is, this is, you know, check, 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 check. And I was, you know, that's my plan when I came to United States. And then I, I was in, I, I had a, an experience where I see my people, you know, the, the, the growth of the Hispanic population back then was like crazy, even though it's growing now, but not like in 2001, it was like massive. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, like, 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 Ships without a shepherd, like what Jesus refers to when he goes to Jerusalem. Same, same feeling. So I decided, you know what? Um, I either go this route where I become a doctor in the United States and I can operate as a doctor in the United States, or I embrace the calling. Um, so I yeah. decided. I really liked what you said about not asking what God wants us to do, but asking who we are, kind of who we are created to be. And you talked about some of the things that you came to know, like you wanted to help animals at first and help their owners. So it was all kind of tied into helping people, which is what you do now, just in a different way. 
how how can we come to know who we are? How do we discover that? That's good. That's a good question. You know, the, the, what is what is what is strange sometimes that we we have an information fatigue. Do you know how many sure. books? Do you know how many books do we have about that? <laughs> a ton, because I've read a lot you know of. How them. many sermons do you have on that? Do you know how many podcasts do we have on that? Yeah. But at some point, you have to stop reading stuff and go to the secret place and find your voice with God and listening from your creator, you know, from him, you know, from him and, and through scripture, what he wants you to, you know, who you are, who you are, who you are. And from that will flow, you know, what you have to do. But it's basically, you know, do an inventory of your life. Just, just go inside. You know what? Why? What? Make a list or something of some sort, or you know wh who you are, what you love, and what you hate. In my experience, you know, it, it's a combination of what you love and what you hate. That's that's who you are. Okay. Mm. So whatever you have to do will flow from that, from what you love and from what you hate. So what you love, you know, God will connect that. You love people, okay? God will connect you to something, different channels, different platform for you to love people, invest in people, equip people. Uh, you know, that's, 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 that's a part of who I am. And then you go to the other side, what you hate. Well, I hate uh, injustice. I hate, you know, some people hate when they go into a house and the house is a mess, they cannot stand the mess. They can leave one thing in the mess, but they cannot stand the mess. They have to clean out. They have to put everything in order. So if you hate this, if you hate this chaos, God may be, just may be, God wants to send you to places of chaos for you to bring order. <laughs> because oh. God, does you know he, he goes into chaos and he brings order you know or if you hate injustice okay maybe what you're going to do have to do with that <laughs> you know maybe you will be a judge or you will be a pastor or you will be a, a civil right movement person i don't know <laughs> but believe me yeah. if you hate whatever whatever you can stand god himself placed that in your heart so you get up and do something about it it's not for you to talk about it and 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 pray about it and read about it it's for you to get up and go <laughs> and do something about it, become the change that you want to see, you know? So for yeah. me, again, everything flows from who I am, who I am. And it, it's basic first, you're a child of God, that's basic. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. you're yeah. you a child of God, and then, and then what? You are a believer, and then what? You are a disciple, and then what? You are a leader, because we are all leaders. <laughs> we are all leading something. We are, you're leading your household, you are leading a friend, you are leading a neighbor, you're leading a corporation, you're leading a church, you're leading a ministry. Everybody's leading because we are born to lead. You know, that's the way God created us. That's the DNA that we have. Yeah. You know, yeah. so do something about it. Just just find out who why you love, who you and what you hate. That would be my recipe. Kabunga. Yeah. You know what yeah. you, <laughs> you will know pretty much pretty fast what what yeah. that yeah, sorry, I keep interrupting you. It's hard when we're doing it virtually because I can't see, you know, your mouth or whatever when you're like at a stopping point. So I apologize. No, it's okay. You're fine. You're fine. It's a conversation back and forth. Yeah, it kind of sounds like um, what you said. Kind of what, kind of what makes you angry in a way, like something you're like, mm. I this has to change in the world, and I'm going to do, you know, somebody has to do something about it. And instead of somebody, it kind of sounded like you were like, it's going to be me. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. Exactly. You know, you, at some point you have to realize it's you, you know, if you can, if it's not you, who, you know, somebody else, yeah. somebody, somebody plays, 
in a sermon with those words. If it's not yeah. who, if not now, when, and things like that. But again. Yeah. So you saw the need in the Hispanic com community when you came over, um, when you immigrated from Cuba. What was that need like and what did you decide to do about it? Okay, well, the Hispanic Hispanic people, you know, again, they left uh, their country. So you experience yeah. a deep loss. So there is a big, huge loss in emptiness. For sure. Because you have to leave behind your family, your friends. Like, you know, if I ask you questions, you have friends from high school, from elementary school, and you see them and you laugh about it. Well, you lose that all of that when you, <laughs> when you move. Yeah, you, you do. Know, you, lose, you lose all these connections. You're disconnected. You know, you have to have this emptiness. And then if you are not, if you don't have Christ in your life, you will find, you will find ways to, you know, to just fill that void. And people use, you know, they, they, they use drugs or money or success or, or whatever people or relationships, and they begin to have different, you know, so they, they go 300 direction just to fill the void. And, and, and then after that, you have so many issues, you, you end up broken, you know, broken you end up broken and the brokenness yeah. of the hispanic community you have violence you have cells you have you know drugs sex child abuse um you know domestic violence you have um and this uh, homesick and people that get depressed and and, mm -hmm. and you have this anxiety because you don't understand the language you don't you don't know the culture you don't know the rules and they mm -hmm. attack you and then you're persecuted i mean it's it's like a wave, a massive wave of brokenness. Uh, yeah. And, and it's, it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. You know, it's overwhelming. So even, you know, even in every nation, every culture has its own, um, you know, challenges. But if you are a pastor in, a, in an American church, you have 30 people, you most likely pastor that church. You know, you people, people in America, because of, most of the people that we pastor in, in our churches are are middle class people. Okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> so middle yeah. class people they they probably, they have a, a good idea how to live. You know, they need they need they need God, of course. Whoever needs God, but they they have their life organized in, in many cases. They have issues, but they know what to do. If they need something, they know who to contact. They, they yeah. how to process things. They know how to think do stuff. Well. When you go one level below middle class, which is poverty, even in the United States, try to pastor a, a, a congregation that is at poverty level and see what happens. You have two people and you work twice, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. you know, you have to work double. You have to double work even more because they, they have so many issues, you know, so many challenges. Uh, same thing mm -hmm. happened uh, with the Hispanic people. You have 20 people in the congregation. Guess what? You're working like you have 200. Because they, they call you for everything. They have so many issues. There is the crisis after crisis, which is part of the poverty level. So you yeah. one crisis after the next. They don't have a system. And you become the system they have, right? Wow. And, and you so don't how have, do you, yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you as a, are you still a pastor? Because I, I know you're a district superintendent now. Do you still pastor at Fuente de Viviamento? Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah you, did, you, did a, you did a good job. <laughs> Yes, my wife now is the pastor. You know, she's the pastor. Okay. She's a licensed local pastor for the United Methodist Church. So right oh, now cool. she's pastoring. She's the senior pastor. I help her, of course, but uh -huh. from little. But you're bit. not actively pastoring. Not, no, no, no. I'm not act active pastor. Yeah. 
I would think that would be huge to, if you were actively pastoring and being a district superintendent, that would be more than a full-time job. Yes. I mean, and I, and I believe that it, it can be done if we have better systems. Yeah. The, the way, the way it's, set it up, it's set up, you can do just one thing, but, but, you know, but, but at the end, the response, the response to all this massive, just to answer the last piece of your question, the last the, oh, yeah. your question, you know, the, the response to the, this massive wave of brokenness was me saying yes to Christ and to my calling. I didn't know what to do. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know what to do. I just knew that I have to say yes. And, and here I am. You know, here I am, one person saying yes. And I was very discouraged until I read the book of Judges. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I read when I wrote the book of Judges, I said, wait a minute, this means that can one man or one woman, because we also have women in there leading, okay? By the way. Uh-huh. Okay. So I always I always point that out. I really believe in, in women in ministry. Okay. So we yeah. have leaders in the book of Judges who are women and men. And one person changing the course of the whole nation. Yeah, for sure. So I said, well, it looks like it can be done. I don't need 300 people. <laughs> you know, but God is looking for one person that say yes. And then the Holy Spirit will come over that person with power to anoint yeah. that person to do what needs to be done. So when I saw the power that one person can have, if this person is obedient to God's call, I said, well, it can be done. You know, it can be done. We can, we can, we can. <laughs> We can create a dent, you know, we cannot change the world, but we can create a dent in this community. Yeah, I love your faith. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, well, let's do it. And, and and when I begin to plant churches and train leaders and plant more churches and, you know, teaching people how to start their own businesses. And now they are business leaders, you know, taking, leading them and, and helping them to leave poverty behind, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, because it. You didn't just um, pastor their souls, if I'm understanding right. You helped them, you helped educate them and learn where resources were so that they could access the different things that you were saying that middle class people take for granted to know, well, this happened. I need to go do X or whatever, exactly. which is huge. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so what it, did, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. no I, just, I just want to add that the, the, the kingdom of God is, you know, the kingdom of God is about words, okay? Mm -hmm. The kingdom of God is about words. In fact, Jesus, he says, I am the word, (laughs) okay? And he's the the maximum expression of the kingdom of God on earth is Jesus. So the kingdom of God is is about words, which means, that sounds very middle class. (laughs) Yeah. This is why this is why the, the poverty. You know, when, when we when we bring the kingdom of God into a poverty context, you are going to have change because in the in that context, words mean nothing. You know, mm. it's more about action. It's more about you know if you have a, if you have a conflict with somebody with with a person, most of the time, at least in Cuba, here in the United States, in many cases, but in Cuba, if you have a if you have a conflict with me, I'm going to punch you in the face. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what poverty is. You don't you don't talk. Let's talk later after I punch you. You know, uh-huh. here in the after you go to middle class and up middle class. Oh, wait, let's talk about it. If you don't want to talk about, it, let me bring my lawyer or let me bring the police. Um, you know, so in our in, in a poverty context where I come from, you fight first, and then you talk about it. 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? So the kingdom of God, what God is what God is doing and saying to us, listen, before you begin to fight, you need to you need to learn the mm -hmm. language of the kingdom. <laughs> okay? You need to yeah. you need to begin to use words to express yourself. To, to, to communicate that's the, that's the, if you are a citizen of the kingdom of God you need to you need to know how to communicate in the kingdom you need to know how to pray you need to know so you be, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's so it's so countercultural you know that is so powerful that when people really grasp what Jesus is asking from us it's powerful it changes your life it's a holistic approach this is not mm -hmm. a, a one thing or one area it's a holistic approach mm -hmm. what does that approach look like for you as you you plant churches and you equip others to plant churches. Well, I can do that with you right now if you want to. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually this is this is what I do. Okay, I I have seven areas and I uh, and I ask people these questions really fast, and when they finish, I just focus on the area that they want to work, and and that's okay. the way the discipleship that that we do. Uh, you know that's the way we do it. So it's really uh -huh. simple, very simple. You can do this in a train. You can do this in the in the marketplace. You can do this anywhere. It's easily. So I have seven areas. The first area is, is spiritual. The spiritual area: fasting, praying, reading the Bible. Okay. So mm -hmm. the spiritual area from one to ten. What do you? Where do you think are you? And ten being the max. Oh gosh, <laughs> I think maybe. Um, Five. Five. Okay, good. There is no, there is no right or wrong questions. Okay, so okay. five. Good. Now, now let's move to the second area. The second area is emotional area. You know, are you authentic with your emotions? Are you, when you are sad, you are sad. When you are mad, you are mad. You are processed. You talk about it. You. So, for from one to ten, where are you? Uh, maybe seven. Okay, let's move now to the social or relational area. Your friends, your family, uh, your neighbors, your coworkers. How your relationships are meaningful, are strong. If you have to forgive or ask for forgiveness, are you doing it? One to ten. Um, eight. Eight. Good. Now let's move to the physical area. How is your body? Are you eating well? Resting? Are you stressed? Yes or no? One to ten. Where are you? Um, maybe seven because seven. we're in a pandemic right now, and that's creating yeah. some extra. That's stress. good. That's good. <laughs> so now let's move to the intellectual area. You know, the development, the development of your mind. Are you growing? Are you starting? One to ten. Where are you? Uh, maybe four. Four. Let's go now to the financial area. Are you in debt? Are you are you tithing? Are you uh, um, helping the poor? Are you giving to the church? Are you giving to the kingdom? Are you collaborating with God to advance the kingdom of God on earth? One to ten. Where are you? Uh, I think in nine. Nine. Good. Now let's move finally. To the recreate to, to the recreational, you know, your hobbies. You know, you're supposed to enjoy creation, enjoy yourself, enjoy that you are alive because you're going to be alive once. Are you having time for yourself? One to ten. Enjoy it with your family, your friends. Don't just doing nothing uh, in you. One to ten. Maybe four. Four. I will I will start with you in the in those areas where you um, self-evaluated yourself less than five or five. Okay. okay. I will go to those areas. Uh, in the area that you mentioned, it, one was the your, your spiritual area, the intellectual area, and then the recreational area. Those are the, the three areas that you highlighted this time. Mm -hmm. And it changed all the time. It's very organic. Sometimes you, you have, then you work on this area, and then maybe next time we talk about it, you have other areas. But my point is, you are the one leading the way you're going to be disciple. I'm not telling you. I'm not evaluating mm -hmm. you. 
you know, it's a self-evaluation. That's what discipleship is. You're supposed to be growing in these seven, seventh, in these seven areas. You are wow. growing in these seven areas. And if you are growing in these seven areas, you are going to be a very holistic person, a very balanced disciple, a passionate a spiritual disciple uh, in, in the 21st century. And that's for me, that's it. And then that's why it's so effective. You know, I don't, I don't impose myself on people. I don't talk about areas that they didn't give me permission to talk about, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's about permission. Sometimes people don't want to be disciple in one area. They have to be ready, you know, yeah. to embrace that. And, and basically that's what we do. You know, it took me, what, five minutes to do this to you? Yeah. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> and even like even on my own, I can remember these areas and go back and reevaluate reevaluate myself too. So I like that tool for <laughs> myself and for the people listening. That's awesome. That's awesome, you know. And the thing is that most of the time, I don't know if that happens to you, but it happens to me a lot. You know, most of the time, sometimes I learn new things. Yeah. Sometimes I just I'm reminded of the things that I, that I, that I know that I was doing and I stopped doing it, you know? So yeah. it's not, it's not a big revelation of the last cloud of the heavens, what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a practical tool that we need just to have a person. It's the relationship what makes this tool powerful. Like you and I, you know, having this conversation and then pursuing after this conversation and continue the relationship where I spend time with you discipleship is about relationship so it's not the tool you know the tool is just a tool but then yeah. we're spending time together we're drinking coffee together we're reading together we are having breakfast or lunch or whatever and we're having this conversation you're going to grow yeah you're going to so grow. so how many mentoring because this is what i would call mentoring i don't know if that's the term you would use how yes. many mentoring relationships do you have right now well i have mentoring relationships at different levels you know, okay. It's a it's a it's a one on one. That's a that's a men, that's mentorship levels that I have, and I also myself under mentorship. I don't believe in people who mentors others, and I ask them, okay, who's your mentor? I don't have one. Okay, guess what? Find one and then talk to me, <laughs> because <Okay. laughs> you know nobody can you know can have the luxury of of disciples yourself. Nobody can do that. Okay. Yeah. That's the nature of discipleship. But I have just one on one with people. I also have small groups mentorship, you know, where I talk to people in like a group of 12, 15 people that I just meet with them and then talk about all these areas and training and stuff. And then we have more, uh, you know, mid-sized groups where where you do trainings, which is for me, it's, an, it's a different level of mentorship. And then they can follow up with you if they have more questions, they want to go deeper in one area or the next. Mm -hmm. so right now, I'm investing myself a lot in leaders leaders who, and, and I define leaders kind of like, you know, how Maxwell define it. Like if you are a leader, somebody's following you. Mm. <laughs> we're, playing, we're playing with leadership, but at the end I ask you, so who's following you? Who are you leading? No one, then you're not a leader yet. You're a leading, you're a leading in nature, but you are not, you're not in, in, in a position of leadership anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I'm mm -hmm. always investing people who have people behind them. So whatever I teach them, they will go, they will go back and transfer and impart what I've been yeah. teaching them to the others. So, yeah. and, and, and my ministry has been growing like that from the from 2001 to 2020. It's not like have been always like that. So, oh yeah, you know. yeah. Um, how do we find a mentor? Good. That's a good question. Wait, you ask. You're asking very good questions. You're. Very good. <laughs> 
You're a great conversationalist. So I'm like, wow. Yeah, awesome. you see, that's, that's your gift right there. That's your gift. That's your gift right there. Well, thank you. Yes. So um, to find a mentor, again, we go back to the same question, who you are. And once you find out who you are, you will also learn what, what, what do you need to grow? What are your areas of strength and your areas of weaknesses? So the best way to find a mentor is to find a mentor who is better than you in the areas that you need growth. Sometimes people have oh. mentors that are very good friends, but they are not good at the area that they need to grow. Okay, mm -hmm. so that doesn't work. Like if I if I need a mentorship in my, in the area of marriage, you know, in the in the past, that's a, that's a very good question because in the past we used to have one mentor for everything. Well, yeah, yeah. Not anymore. Twenty first century, we have experts everywhere, you know, for everything. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So, everyone is an expert so we have to find the real experts in the middle of everyone exactly you know and now you can decide okay i need to grow in my marriage finances whatever i will have mentors for every area where i need to grow and i will okay. make sure and i have a mentor that is like kind of like the, the 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 relational um you know connection for me it can be a mentor that can mentor me and work with me and listen to me any area but then to actually grow and go deep I will find a mentor in whatever area I need to grow. When I do this evaluation on myself, how I'm doing on these seven areas, I will go and find, okay, maybe the relational area, the, 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 the social area, I need to, my social skills need to grow with my mm -hmm. wife, my family, my kids, my coworkers. Um, then I will find somebody who's good, you know, people, people, people person, just to teach me, mm -hmm. you know, to, to work with me, to begin to read books, ask me questions, hold me accountable, hum, and then I will grow more you know, in those areas. So find a mentor that is strong in the area that you need growth. Don't, don't do the opposite. Uh, some people make that mistake. You know, it's like you, you are married and all your friends are single. What do you think is going to happen to you? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, most likely you're going to end up single because yeah. next time you talk to your friends, ah, oh, my husband did this or said, ah, you know, that's why I'm not married. Okay, you <laughs> ten times, and then you say, you know what, to your husband, ah, you know what, I don't care about what you're saying, bye. And then you're single yeah. too. You can have a mentor, <laughs> you know, that is disconnected and have no yeah. fruits, no fruits in the area that you want to grow. Find fruitful people, fruitful people in the yeah. area that you need to grow. You know, God says, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. So find fruitful people first. Not only go by the... Uh, the multiplication and the growth they have be they make sure that they are fruitful. Yeah. So are these people in your experience, are they already your friends kind of, or do you reach out to people that are maybe acquaintances or maybe that you don't even know, but you're, you've seen the fruits of their lives and want to spend more time with them? Yeah. I, I believe, you know, let me, I think the best is in the, the best and the easiest way to answer your question is sharing with you the system that I have again, for, for mentorship. So I have what we call M5, M5, the letter M, M as in Mary, M5. Mm -hmm. The first M is modeling. So you have to model. So you have to model, the, you know, working like Jesus, the character, you model what you, what you know, what you are, you model it. The second M is, is uh, motivation. So you motivate people. So you find someone that is a motive, motive that, you, that you can motivate someone who is a motivator and then the the third m is mentorship so what I, the reason i'm mentioning this to you is because before mentorship you have modeling and you have 
motivation. So who is your friend? Your friends usually are people that you know that are modeling that for you, that are motivators. Mentors are not friends. Mm. Okay? Mm. It's a big mm -hmm. mistake colasso to trying to find a friend for you to be your mentor. A mentor is a person that you have, that you give that person relational rights to intervene in your life and tell you, you know, what needs to change and hold you accountable for that change and for the change that you want to, to, to see in your own personal life. So a mentor yeah. has to, doesn't have to be your friend. It has to be a, a person that is truthful, like a Nathan in your life. A mentor yeah. is Nathan. He confronts you and say, hey, listen, you are that person, you know, like he did with King David. Listen, yeah. you are, you know, so we, we need that. We don't, we don't want it. We don't need a mentor that is walking around and not saying what he needs to say. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, so that's sure. why it doesn't have to be your friend. It doesn't have to be your friend. If it is your friend, you have a caviar there, you know, it's cherry on the top. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> but, but it doesn't have to be your friend. I, I, I really, I really believe that mentors doesn't have to be friends. They need to be person that are ready to equip you in the area that you need to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are the, did I miss one of the ends? There were yeah, you have two more. I was waiting for you to ask the oh. question. I, oh yeah. yeah. I, knew, I knew you will. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fourth, the fourth M is multiplying, multiplication. So f after you mentor, every disciple will grow and multiply himself or herself. Disciples mm -hmm. multiply himself. So the fourth M is multiplying. So if you are a disciple and I'm training you, I'm going to challenge you to multiply yourself. Find somebody, mm -hmm. at least one person. And yeah. then the last M is mobilizing. So if you don't mobilize, then it's a cancer. Growth without mobilization is cancer. I'm a doctor, I'm telling you, that's what cancer is. It's a growth yeah. without moving, movement. Okay, mm -hmm. so we want to not only grow stuff, we want to mobilize. You know, that's, the, that's mm -hmm. the, the kingdom of God. So after you multiply, I'm going to ask you to mobilize. Find something to do that is according to your gift and graces, you know, oh, yeah. your goal. And that's the last, the last M. But if you go through those five M's, it's really, it's really easy to disciple people because first I'm going to model for you. I'm going to live by example. This is a this is a a, a, a west and mid east, and this is an eastern um, an eastern um, culture that our discipleship is a kingdom culture that is coming from the eastern culture. It's a relation. Yeah. It's living it out. This is not Greek. Yeah. This is not Greek. This is not knowledge. <laughs> you have to you have to model that out. You know you have to live it out. You yeah. know and that's that makes a difference yeah. because here in America and Cuba and other places because we are so influenced for the, by the Western world, discipleship is information. So you can teach all day and you are not living it out. You know you can teach finances and you are broke. In United States. <laughs> yes, you know, <laughs> and that's a problem. You know that's a big yeah. problem. How can you be a yeah. professor in the university and you are broke? You are in debt. Makes no sense. In yeah. the kingdom, that's not possible. That's not possible. God, God will yeah. never allow that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You're totally, of course, you're totally right. That is a good word. I like that. Um, how? So, as you mentor people, how does this? As you equip leaders for uh, church plant, is this only for pastors and church planners, or is this people um, in any in any area of life? Well, I think it's for everyone. You know, especially in the 21st century, I'm I'm a, I'm a strong I'm a strong advocate for preparing the church for the 21st century. Yeah. And, and when I when I started my ministry, you know, 10 years to 15 years ago, 
um, now I'm 20 years in doing this, I was very focused on the local church only, you know, until mm -hmm. I begin to grasp an understanding of what the kingdom of God is. And the kingdom of God is not only for the church, my friend. <laughs> the kingdom mm, of God yeah. is for the whole world. We need to invade, you know, and sweep the marketplace. And if this is true, then we have to step outside of the local church and, and engage the marketplace. So when yeah. I, I teach in a way that it can suit anyone, if you are a pastor, if you are a lay person, if you are a business person, whoever is listening to this podcast, we find a way to connect that to what they do. Yeah. <laughs> because mm -hmm. You're supposed to be a disciple in the marketplace. I don't care what you're doing. Uh, yeah. you're, you're supposed to be the disciple where you are and you, in your own context. And, um, you know, we use a lot Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, 11. And when you do, when you do Ephesians 4, 11, you know, apostles, evan evangelists, pastors, teachers, um, you know, um, um, prophets, you use all of that. And people only see that within the church, which is a mistake colasso because you have, mm -hmm. I mean, one of the, of the, of the, of the powerful truth behind Ephesians 4, 11 is that it is for the whole world. You will see that in, 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 within the church, in the traditional way, and you will see those five ministries in the streets with people who are mm -hmm. not, not even, um, you know, formal or traditional ministers. Uh, you know, yeah. it's happening everywhere. And I'm, I'm a doctor. I mean, I'm still I am. I love medicine. I love being a pioneer, inventing things. I was a surgeon and all in my focus on sur in, in surgery as a surgeon was doing things in a new way, creative. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, now you're kind of a doctor of people. You exactly, have to go on. You know, so even though I was, I didn't have a clue about what, you know, the connection, I, I consider myself a pioneer back in the days when I was doing this uh, full time. Yeah. So we have, we have pioneers. We not only inside the church, you know, that the, the apostle voices are pioneers. Apostles are pioneers. It's not about anything else. It's not, we want to make it big, like a big thing. We, I'm, I'm an apostle or the apostle. This not, that's not the purpose of this. <laughs> you mm -hmm. know? So it's, it's the voice, it's the mantle that you're carrying. You know, it's just, it's yeah. who you are. It's, it's, it's a pioneer. That's, that's, and you will see that in business people launching new ministers, startups, new businesses, new science, scientists, people who are doing things new. You know, that's, that's the apostle, the apostles office and then you move to the prophet's office which is you know the the the, the, the jealousy for 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 justice and you will see that in civil rights movements <laughs> you will see that in people yeah. on the streets you will see it in the church too <laughs> okay yeah and the evangelists who are the evangelists in the church okay the cross you know the dna the gospel the message go to the world who is who are the evangelists in the world okay good news best, uh, science, uh, um, uh, journalists you know they are they are they, they are willing to die for the news Okay. Mm, yeah. Okay. Then you go to the teachers. Go back to the who, who are teachers in the world. Okay. You have teachers all over the place. Then you have pastors, and who are the pastors in the in the secular in the marketplace? Or you have you have doctors, you have nurses, you have psychologists, people who are who are offering care, you know, to people. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. again, we can do we, we can be here all day. <laughs> I, can be, I can talk about this all day. You know, just to just to tell, just to just to share with you that we are doing a disservice to Christ when we, uh, you know, when you when we are only speaking to the to the church, yeah. and the whole world. Because if you show me from 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 Genesis to Revelation one time when the gospel was preached to believers, I will quit my job 
<laughs> okay? Yeah. Never in the whole Bible sermons were preached to believers. Yeah. Yeah. Never, never. Every time you see believers receiving was discipleship. Sermons were always for outside. Yeah, yeah, totally. So talking about doing something new and kind of pioneering, um, one of the things that you're doing as a, as part of the church planning model that you're using is house churches. And um, at least that was new for me. So tell us a little bit about the house churches and how that works um, with the Disciple 21 Church Planning Network. Uh, again, yeah, I think it, without knowing that, that you're going to ask that question, what I just shared about Ephesians 4.11, is, that's the DNA for house churches. So okay. we, you know, we send people in, in groups of five, right? We, we, you know, based on, on who they are, again, and who they are, we, we want to make sure, ideally, that we have one voice for every office because that's mm -hmm. what makes, you know, the, the ministry effective. Uh, when mm -hmm. we have one of those voices missing, then we cannot, we cannot grow, you know, the church. So mm -hmm. we, we send this group of five, you know, where ones have the job to establish the house church. That's the, you know, the apostolic voice, finding the place, finding the house, recruiting people, launching. That's, that's very apostolic, you know, to do that. Mm -hmm. Then you, you also need a teacher who's going to teach the classes, teach the children. We have children in the houses. Then you yeah. have a pastor who's going to call the people, follow up, you know, making sure people are fine, but offering pastoral care and things like that. Then you have the evangelist and the evangelist's job is to challenge people in the house, in the house church to mm -hmm. speak the gospel to others and begin to plan how to multiply the house and, and, and reach others around the neighborhood and share the gospel and train people mm -hmm. to share the gospel. So you have that and then you have the prophetic part and the prophetic part is all about holiness, you know, and covenant. So we mm -hmm. teach about holiness, covenant, covenant, the word of God, you know, loving, again, as I said in the very beginning of this interview, loving what God loves and hating what God hates. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, a, that's a, a connection with who we are also, you know. So we yeah. do all of that. And, and when you have those voices, that's why, that's why I believe that the house churches are multiplying so fast. Because yeah. when you have that, you have all these voices, you move fast. Not only that, but you grow. Now, how do we get to there? Because that's the next question. So how I got, to, yes. you know, how I get people that I can do well, again, you know, chef planting is very simple. And that's if, I mean, for whoever is listening to this, you know, we are, we have, we, we have information fatigue in the 21st century. So many seminars about church planting. For real. <laughs> books, information paralysis, you know. It's like in Cuba, you say, I want a Coke. Guess what? You go to the store and there is only one, one type of Coke, okay? You just go and grab it. You don't have to think. Okay? Yes. So you come to United States and say, I want, a, I want a Coke. Go to Kroger. When you go to the, to the, to the peps, uh, to, the, to the, you know, to the pubs and stuff, uh, aisle you go there and you have seven type of cokes at least seven sometimes least more. sometimes more and then you're there and you're freeze looking at the whole stack and say okay what i want you know so you yeah it's totally <laughs> overwhelming it's overwhelming so it's information paralysis you know so this is what is happening to people with chef planting they are they are reading so much learning so much that they they're 
they are paralyzed. Okay, I'm going to mm -hmm. simplify this for you because the first church I planted, I was only seven months in Christ. Yeah. Okay, I knew nothing. I only knew my testimony. Okay? Yeah. So I'm going to simplify this for you. Okay? Based on the book of Acts, for you to plant a church, what do you need? You need one person or two or three people. It better if you have two or three person, a team of two or mm -hmm. three people who know what God did with them. That's it. Mm -hmm. And these people will share that story. And that's, you know, and I invite you to connect with you. So it might, may, you know, they, you can teach them how to tell the story. Yeah, because really all we have is yes. what we know that God has done for us. Exactly. So they will they will share the story, they share the story of the gospel, and then they will have new believers. New believers in what? In the gospel, not in the new era, in prosperity and stuff like that. The gospel, okay? Once they receive the gospel, you begin to train them. And once you train them, they become disciples. The moment they become disciples, you bring the sacraments and organize them in Kabunga, you have a church. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> easy. Okay. <laughs> you make it sound easy. <laughs> well, it is easy. You know, the thing is that we're complicating this. I didn't mention money once. Yeah, you didn't. I so didn't. how did that work out? Because of that, you know, because people, when people get excited about things, you don't even, have, you don't even, I mean, money will come. God, God always, you know, God, God's vision never lacks resources. Don't True. Forget about the resources. Just find the people. People are the are the the, the resource of the kingdom. Yeah. You True. know. So in this, that's what we do. We train people. We we preach the gospel to them. They receive the gospel. We do, we preach the gospel. We don't we don't we're not talking about prosperity and and yoga and playing around. I mean, this is. <laughs> so you have to you have to have an urgency, and preach yeah. the gospel. You know, and then everything else is cookies and cream. You know, yeah. so, but what yeah. I'm saying is focus on the gospel and train them, train them. When we have trainings that we yeah. give people and we train them in those areas, you know, to become, to, for them to find out what their voice is. It's apostolic voice, it's a prophetic voice, it's a, a, I'm a teacher, I'm a pastor, what, what is my place in the kingdom? Because yeah. the moment you know that, that, that is called a specialization. <laughs> you know, you, you have to know who you are. Because that's the purpose of God. You know, you see the you see creation. God is a God of specialization. See creation. I'm a doctor. See mm -hmm. around you. you. There's no. There is nothing in creation that does everything by itself. Nothing in creation. Mm -hmm. Everything has a, a, a specific uh, role and assignment from God. And you have one. You can do whatever is needed, but you need to know who you are. And once mm -hmm. you find that. You don't compete anymore. This jealousy that we have in the church, jealousy that we have in the in the ministry, in competing and arguing, is because you don't know who you are. Once you know who you are and what you're supposed to do, you don't compete. You complete people. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know. So you planted um, you planted several churches, but now you're the global executive director. I believe I have that right. Yes. Of Disciple Twenty One Network. How did that? come about. And um, the latest update I have on it is that you're active in seven nations, 28 cities, um, with 45 team leaders and 307 house churches. So how did this network come about and how has it grown and still growing? Well, now we are in 20 nations, just for you to have. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so it's growing, it continues growing. In, That's amazing because uh, I just got that update, I think, just a couple weeks ago because I wrote a press release about yes. what was happening. Yeah. And so, wow, that's incredible. 
Yes, it's a new development. This is the, the craziness of following the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. So for me, you know, the reason it came about, again, was a, a fire and a love for the church for the 21st century. You know, you know yeah. the, how to prepare the church for the 21st century. The church for the 21st century needs to be more organic. Mm, so yeah. In the past, when I was younger, now I'm 46, when I was younger, I used to find people uh, and then train them, equip them, raise them up, send them off. You know, mm-hmm. well, now I'm 46. I don't have time for that. <laughs> okay. My time is running out. You know, my time is running out. So now I'm trying to find people who already have the DNA and then I train them, you know, and find people yeah. who have the same heart, the same passion. And I train them and release them, you know, and that's, and it's very effective this way because it's a covenant again, covenant relationships that we have. Mm-hmm. So yeah. basically in Disciple 21, we move through covenant relationships. Everyone in Disciple 21 has been friends or connected for more than five or 10 years. So, oh, wow. you know, somebody like maybe you and I have a relationship from, from 10 years or more, mm-hmm. five or six, you know, and then I say, okay, uh, we're recruiting people for Disciple 21. Who do you think? Okay, I have this person. And then when you show up, usually the person who invites you, you have been, you trust that person for years. Mm-hmm. So we have a speed because we transfer the, the confidence and the relationship to, to, from one person to the next based on covenant that they, they have for years. And then when you invite another person, guess what? They're going to invite another person that is also in covenant with you. Because, you know, um, I think I think you have a, a saying in America that um, birds of the same feather fly together, something like that. I don't know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> So, you know, you, you have pe- people go, they, we are, we are communal people. You know, you find yeah. a leader and you're also going to touch other leaders around you. Mm. So the yeah. second one is growing because what God, uh, what the Holy Spirit led us in, in and I'm, I am, and, I mean, this is not my organization. This is a whole team of people from so many nations and so many places. I'm just one more person, you know, yeah. in there. But the reality is that when, when God led us through do this, he said, to us in the in praying in different nations, different countries, different ways, you know, seek the nameless and the faceless. Okay. In other mm-hmm. words, so many people who are now in the pews who are not working on their calling because they have not been released because of the paradigm of the church. You know, mm-hmm. so so many people have been and they know that God is calling them. And they know that that they have a, they have thousands of prophetic words and affirmation from many people that God is calling them, but year after year they are still doing nothing. So people are dying, you know, they are dying without mm-hmm. without ever you know experience everything that God has for them, and that's yeah. why we call that we, we call them the nameless, the faceless. They are not known, you know. They are mm-hmm. kind of like John the Baptist in the desert. Nobody knows their voice. Yeah. <laughs> it's time for you to manifest to humankind. That's what happens with John the Baptist. So we have people in that stage yet. They're in the desert. You know, they are a voice in the desert. They are speaking and screaming and nobody's listening. Okay, so they, until that time. So Disciple 21 creates that link, you know, where you don't have to quit your church. You don't have to quit what you are doing. You don't have to, you can continue doing what you are, what you are doing. Disciple 21, we work with the Methodist Church. I'm a Methodist Church pastor. We work with Baptists, Pentecostals, non-denominations. I mean, we work with everybody because that's what we do. We just want to activate people and create spaces for people to walk on their gift and graces. And mm. if 
if, if they say yes, we work with anyone. You want to multiply your church, you want to grow your church, we work with you. That's what we're doing. And people are getting excited because we're not uh, asking anything. We're not saying, okay, now you... Now you are in, we are we are in authority over you. No, 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 no. We we want we are covenantal covenantal friends. That's who we are. Yeah. That's so it. really, Disciple Twenty One. It's just equipping people to grow their church or to plant new ones. Is that right? Both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Both new churches and also remission remissioning churches, revitalizing churches, and also new churches. So we have both. We have partners in different sites. And also we are also working with business people, entrepreneurs. We're launching, um, you know, training entrepreneurs to be disciples in the marketplace and start new churches uh, to be self-sustainable, you know? So that's wow. how we're doing. Wow, that's awesome. We will definitely link to your website if somebody listening is like, oh, I want to learn more about that and get involved. So we'll have all that in the show notes for people. Please. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I love this. Um, how have you seen or have you seen any effect of the pandemic on the house churches and the church planning movement? Well, I have to say that because we have been talking about this since uh, 2016, 17, we have been preparing the church for the 21st century. And I we have been teaching and preaching from A to Z that business and that, that buildings are going to disappear. Okay, mm. we, have, we have been saying we have been prophetic to the core, saying, "Listen, buildings are going to dis- to disappear. The, the 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 traditional way of doing church is going to disappear. Why? Because the 21st century is changing. You know, and yeah. it's more organic. Um, there is no loyalty anymore. There is it's a lot of it's it's a mobile world. Um, world people are moving fast. You know, um, mm-hmm. they're moving from one place to the next. So we we have our infrastructure was built for the pandemic. So instead of decreasing or, or, or being or stalling, we have been growing. That's what I said to you. We went from seven nations to 20 nations. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because now, because of the pandemic, now we have, we have people attention. Okay. Yeah. People were, were very busy back then. Now they, they, we have their attention. So just to give you a practical example, if we have time. Uh, yeah, yeah. A practical example said, okay, we said, okay, listen, we need to pray. You know, the only way to respond to this pandemic is prayer. That's the first step. You you will take action later, but the reality is that nobody has a clue. <laughs> you know, <That> is true. <laughs> what to do, or what needs to be done, or how to lead forward in, in these unprecedented um, times. So we said, okay, we need to begin praying and start praying again. But, but since we cannot meet anymore, let's, let's have digital houses of prayer. That's what we call it, digital houses of prayer. So we start here in Miami, uh, in Miami. We have a, we have one at the beginning, and then here in in Kentucky we have one, and we were praying every day, five thirty to six thirty in the morning, praying, 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 praying. Well, after after one month doing that, six weeks doing that, the Holy Spirit begin to say, okay, now why you don't do this and open this to the people, to people. So we begin to contact our friends and covenant people and say, listen, do you want to start a, a house of prayer? Um, digital house of prayer uh, in your nation? Yes. So the only thing you need mm-hmm. to do is Zoom or WhatsApp. You don't use the camera, kind of like we have right now, and you pray. And we take turns, we pray, and that's it. You you can be in your house, and you can be in bed, you can be walking, you can be whatever you are in your car. Nobody will see your face. <laughs> it's, it's just yeah. both. Okay, we pray together. Well, it's amazing what happened. You know, people begin to just pop up 
from everywhere. So we have in Latin America, for you to have an idea, in Latin America, we have 28 countries that are, I mean, important countries, big countries, not little islands, just, just 28 uh, important countries in the sense of, of the size, uh, geographically size and national uh, you know, in the continent. And then we say, okay, we have 28. The goal is 28. And and we need to reach those 28. One house digital, one digital house of prayer in every nation. We started in July, uh, the last week of July. And now we are in, we are in October and we are, tw- we have 20 nations out of 28. <laughs> okay. Oh my. <laughs> so yeah, for you to have an idea. And it's beautiful to see this, this constellation of nations. In, because we use WhatsApp and we use Zoom, okay? So we mm-hmm. have a whole week, the whole week, they have national prayers and they have ministry prayer for that nation and they have the continental prayers and they have the global prayers. So there is a, yeah. a, a common strain of praying for the whole continent that is it's amazing to see the whole continent, almost the whole continent in one accord praying the same thing. So I'm, 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 I'm excited about what, what is next. What is going yeah. to happen when you have 20 nations coming together out of 28 and saying, let's you know, bring revival, bring, bring change, change the world, uh, you know, save the souls. I mean, everything, you know, it's like asking for forgiveness for the sins of the nations. You know, it's, it's, it's powerful. It's powerful. So now we have 28, you know, 20 countries out of 28 in Latin America. And then we have India, Dubai, and Nepal. And then we have three house churches in China, you know, um, so what? I'm telling you, I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's next. incredible. That um, the way are there other things that you've seen? Because I, I believe, if I'm right, you were going through some steps in in how your church has responded to the pandemic. And the first one was prayer. Were there other things or or not? Yes, yes. Well, we have well, we have been ready for this in the sense that we use we use we have the app. So we have we have been having an app forever oh, wow. so we have an app an application when people download and we pray through that they are connected through that zoom digital and we have conferences online um we have been training we have um systems so we have groups of discipleship groups that, that they have been connected forever and by the way this connection and it's not only happening with disciple 21 it's also happening in the district that i pastor a hundred churches you know, even before the pandemic, we they, they were organized. They they so they they knew the connection, the systems, and everything. When this hit, they were connected. You know, they yeah. Were. So even Disciple Twenty One, we have been doing the same thing. So we have systems. We create systems. We build these connections. We have the application, the app. We have the the Zoom. Then we have Facebook. We have uh, we have WhatsApp, which is an an application that we use everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so we we have been doing all of this and all the steps. You know that we have the system to make disciples have continued. You know, yeah. through, through online teachings and 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 discipleship that we have, yeah. different levels. You of were discipleship. ready for the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, we were ready. We were ready. I mean, the, yeah. the the hard part was the fact that we don't. You know, we the 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 the, the burden and the the pain that people went through. Nobody, yeah. nobody was ready for that. You know. No. Um, you know, but but I'm talking about the system. I don't want people to. Yes, 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 yes. Pandemic. We were ready. We were ready. We had the system to face. You know. Yes, that's yes, that's what I meant too. Your systems were in place. It was in place when the pandemic hit. It hit yes. like everyone, but we were yes. we were we were able to respond in um, better because we already have a system. Like in 
you know, you, you have the system for war, you're not ready, and then you're in war. You are at, you are at work and at war, and now you can you can survive because you, you have a system, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, Dr. Alvarez, I want to honor the time that I gave you, but I feel like our conversation could just go on for at least <laughs> another hour, if not more. I've enjoyed it so much. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having the opportunity. Yeah. And for me, it's a, it's a pleasure to, you know, to share a little bit of what God has done with us and through us. And hopefully, you know, someone up there will grasp one word yeah. <laughs> and run yeah. through it, you know. Yeah. Before we, before we sign off, we have one question that we ask everybody who's on the podcast. So because the show is called the Thrive with Asbury Seminary podcast, what is something that is helping you thrive in your life right now? Uh, thrive. Well, one is relationships. Hmm. Um, again, I, I only will go back to relationships. It's because of the relationships that we nature and the relationship that we have and the people that we spend time with that make you thrive. You know, we are communal, mm -hmm. communal um, people. We cannot thrive without people. You know, we are yeah. not, if you can thrive without people, then maybe you are a horse or you <laughs> a lion or something or an eagle. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, but you know we are the crown of creation. We we have to live with people. You know we, we are yeah. created to be in community, and yeah. and I believe that if you want to thrive, and what makes me thrive is people. People. Then people give me energy. You just, I see people, and again you send them by yourself. You know even even in those places, I say, well, you need to go out by yourself and disconnect from the world and find yourself. For me, that's a, for me that's crazy. You know. <laughs> <laughs> for me, that's the crazy, the most, that's the craziest thought ever. With all the respect of all the people who do that, I respect that. If, if that works yeah. for you, keep doing it, you know. But for me, it's, it's not who you are, though. It's not who I am. Yeah, it's not who I am. It's not for everybody. My point is, some people are very, I don't know, they they need that, they can do that. But for, I get energy around people, uh, you know. Yeah. I get energy around people. And because I've spent time in the secret place, I already have my time alone, you know. Oh, so, that makes sense. You know, so I, 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 people is to answer your question in one word, people, people make me, yeah. you know, people is people. I love people. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I think nothing has shown us more our need for people than the time that we're living in right now. So okay, that's okay. awesome. Yeah. So thank you again, Dr. Alvarez. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed our conversation and so appreciate you taking the time. Yes. Here I am to serve you. And by the way, just before you go, Asbury has played an important role in this movement, you know. So oh, yeah. Yes, because all the training that we have, all the system that we have, we have um, regional centers. We are in partnership with Asbury. We are doing bachelors for, for all the Hispanic people. We are doing institutes with Asbury. We are now connected to Asbury Connection with Dr. Winfield and doing, you know, chef planting also. I mean, and then I'm, I'm a graduate also. I mean, I'm yes, yes. from Asbury. So because of that connection, wherever I go, again, we go back to people. Wherever I go, I develop relationships. Yeah. You know, wherever I go, I, I say, okay, what is the purpose of this relationship? You know, what God wants to do. And when I ask that question about Asbury, boom, you know, hey, you have, you have a, a, a massive, you know, engine of discipleship making here in the United States and that, you know, Asbury. And we are not really, we're not even tapping into what, you know, even we're just, you know, scratching the surface of what Asbury can do. 
Yeah. Um, but Asbury need people like me, you know, like who are in the mission field. And people like, many people like are listening to this. They need, mm -hmm. Asbury needs right. you, you know, if, especially you can, you can make that con the connection, become a bridge between Asbury and the world. And when you do that, not only, not only to say, not only for the sake of relationship, just to go in partnership together, mm -hmm. together. And that's what we're doing. Disciple 21 has a very strong Asbury relationship. And because of that, the education, the, the training that we're offerings are high quality trainings. They, they don't need to go anywhere. They, yeah. Asbury is there where they are. Yeah. So your training, some of the training that you offer is through the seminary, right? Yes. Most of the training we do because now yeah. we have a partnership with Asbury. Now we have this, um, MOU memorandum of understanding. We can offer, um, we have regional, regional centers where we offer, uh, bachelors and institutes that we develop together with Asbury. Oh, and wow. That's awesome. It's powerful. And Asbury is just, yeah. you, you know, you have, when they graduate from the bachelors, they, it's a, it's an Asbury bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> Institute yeah. Is, is, you know, it's endorsed by Asbury. They, the, 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 certif the, the certification they receive has Asbury seal on it and the bachelor and everything. And now we're planting churches because we have a late, you know, an, an initiative by Asbury to plant churches, not to plant churches, but to be a, a hub to bring networks together. Yeah. We infinite leading that. Now we are connecting with Asbury at that level too. So we have everything. We have bachelors, academic, non-academic, like love learning with the Institute. And now we're planting churches with Asbury. So I don't know what is next. <laughs> <laughs> I guess time will tell. We'll have to find out, but it's going to be great. <laughs> So people, my, my point is people are underutilizing Asbury. Ah, yes. That's my yes. point. You know, go yeah. find, find ways. Asbury is open, ready to go into the mission field in, in partnership, but you have to ask. They, they don't have yes. a crystal ball. They don't have a crystal ball yet. Okay. <laughs> well, that's biblical. Like uh, knock and ask and you shall receive, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Dr. Alvarez. I really appreciate your time and your words have been very meaningful to me. So thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for today's conversation with Dr. Alvarez. I hope you found it as helpful and formative as I did. I especially enjoyed the part where he talked about stop trying to figure out what God is calling you to do and figure out who He is creating you to be. That was super helpful to me. And I hope there was a part of this conversation that you found especially helpful as well. As always, you can follow us in all the places on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at, at Asbury Seminary. Thanks again for listening, you guys. And until next time, go do something that helps you thrive.